it was a really rewarding day because he didn't just come back and thank us for the training we provided and, and the job placement and all that. But he came back and said, hey, I, I know this may sound weird, but who can I talk to about wealth management? I'm making more money than I've ever made. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Thank you to everyone who subscribes to the show. If you haven't, I definitely suggest that you do because we have some fantastic interviews coming down the pipe, including with one of the largest self-driving car companies in the world, headquartered in Pittsburgh. But today's interview is also one that you should be turning your antennas up for and sharing with a friend. Neil Ashbaugh is a director at New Century Careers in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He has more than 20 years of experience in the world of manufacturing and is helping to transform and educate the next generation of workers in the region to take on manufacturing jobs. This is the type of story that doesn't get all the sexy headlines and is far from clickbait. What Neil and Paul Anselmo and the rest of the New Century Careers team do is help people make more money, find a career with greater upside, whether or not they have a college degree, whether or not they have a criminal background, through training in manufacturing. Neil gets into the details of precisely what that training looks like, why it's so applicable, and how it transforms lives from people who are living below the poverty line into a meaningful income level. In addition, I got a great education through this conversation just about the realities of the world of manufacturing. It is not a field that I am particularly well-versed in. So we start with some really valuable 101 level questions and then work our way up into a greater discussion of the economy in Western Pennsylvania, why college is so glorified when other opportunities aren't necessarily highlighted, and much, much more. I was so thankful to Neil for giving us the time and a tour of the New Century Careers office, and I hope that you will find this both interesting and valuable. So here is my conversation with Neil Ashbaugh. You're listening to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Well, Neil, thank you so much for letting us come in here and, and pester you with questions and give us some of your time today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it makes sense first to just start off by explaining to the listeners, what is New Century Careers? Okay, so New Century Careers is a nonprofit dual mission agency. And what that means is we specialize in, in uh, giving individuals the opportunity to learn skills that will allow them to secure a career in manufacturing, specifically in metalworking skills. So if anyone has ever seen uh, or heard the term tool and die, a lot of the individuals that come in and complete our program uh, end up at companies doing tool and die, so metal stamping or making metal components. That's awesome. We have had uh, the Trade Institute of Pittsburgh on in the past, but mm-hmm. frankly, a lot of the people we've been talking to lately are just, you know, when you look at different organizations around town, it's software, it's soft skills. So to, I think one thing that would be important for us to both be mindful of through this conversation is to just paint the picture right, uh, like right. you have of, of what some of these machines are and how they work. But what's really interesting with 
these roles is that this is not some minimum wage job. It is highly skilled. Mm -hmm. That's why the training exists. And it does lead to some very solid livings for those that go through the program. So can you talk a little bit about both who comes in at the beginning of your program Mm -hmm. and what opportunities await these folks after they've gone through it? Sure. So we we get students that come from a variety of backgrounds. We have the traditional student that has finished high school and and a lot of times those individuals might not be going on to higher education. They may meander around for the first few months after graduation and find out that they're in a in a job but not a career. And what I mean by that is in a low wage setting. So we have individuals like that. We have individuals that come to us that are uh, returning adults, Uh, individuals that are maybe in their late 20s, early 30s, that have maybe been working at a career and finding out that they've plateaued. And because of whatever industry they chose, they've just maxed their their earning potentials out. Um, We also have some interesting uh, relationships with some different community-based organizations. So individuals that are underemployed, individuals that might be uh, participating in federal programs uh, like the SNAP 5050 program, uh, or even individuals that have been incarcerated for low-level, nonviolent offenses. So those folks have come to us and also taken advantage of our, our opportunity here to, to train and to learn a skill. And on the back end of that, if, after uh, the training, an individual typically will see uh, wages in the 13 to $15 an hour range. That'll vary uh, depending on the amount of hours they complete with us, the level of skill sets they've they've earned and learned during their time with us, and also um, a lot of companies are running uh, different shifts, night shifts, weekend shifts, and those companies then sometimes offer a shift differential. That means additional dollars toward toward an individual. So, really, an individual that can come to us and peak out at about four to five months of training with us can can pretty much achieve a thirty-five dollars to $40,000 entry-level job. And knowing the way industry is today and noting the amount of overtime people are getting, that number just continually increases with the time they're with the company. So it's, a, it's a, actually a very good wage. Through the program, can you talk about the different tracks that one might go down, like in terms of specialization versus just a broad skill set that's applicable in a number yeah. of different settings. Yeah, sure. So so an individual come to us and they, they, they learn there's really two or three main main education tracks. And they're very specific to the types of equipment that you'll find in manufacturing and especially again in metalworking. So there's mills, there's lathes, and then there's a thing called CNC. So let me backtrack for a second. A lathe is very uh, very similar to if you envision how maybe a baseball bat is made. So a piece of wood is spun, it's a long piece of wood, and then then it's carved down into uh, a form that would be like a baseball bat. So instead of using wood, we use metal. So we're making round components on a lathe. A mill is similar to um, taking a block of material and putting holes into it and putting uh, slots and grooves into it, making it very precise. And there's a variety of different applications and reasons for doing that. CNC is doing those types of things. But in the first two examples I told you, these would be manual operations, meaning everything that the machine does is done because you as the human being have forced that machine to do your will. 
The CNC is the same thing, but it's using computers to control the motion of the equipment. So you still are forcing the machine to do your will, but now you're learning how to program in a very specialized computer language, and that would be CNC milling and CNC lathe. Um, so those would be kind of like the career tracks that would be the entry-level areas where individuals would start and complete here and then move on into careers. Long-term careers, an individual that works in manufacturing can then find themselves doing anything from becoming a draftsperson or moving into engineering. Many folks end up making components and finding that not only can they make the parts, but they also can sell other customers on it so they could end up in a role in sales and marketing. Really, the sky's the limit because a lot of companies will hire you as entry level, put you through uh, like an apprenticeship program, and then after you've proven yourself and you've learned those their, their customers, then you start to get into the professional side, and then the sky's the limit. Your career can then just blossom. I want to touch on the CNC uh, mm-hmm. model and then these type of machines for a moment. To me, as an outsider, this could be completely ignorant, but there's this talk of automation, certain mm-hmm. tasks being mm-hmm. automated, and the fear or the media headline is, well, this means humans become obsolete or there's right. nothing for them to do. Right. And yet you're saying we have to train people to use these machines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you talk a little bit about um, maybe the rise or the prevalence of these CNC machines and how they're is or is not still a role for the human element. Oh, absolutely. So so what you touched on was was you touched touched on on automation, but what you're really talking about is robotics. So if you think about a robot doing something that a human being normally would do, everyone has this misconception that well that robot's going to do my job. But in reality, even if you even if a company invests in a robot, we know that there are so many other individuals that have to be there to support that robot. In in most cases, when a company invests in a robot, you actually see them hiring more people. They're requiring more engineers, they require more machinists, they require more people with backgrounds in electronics and in sensors. So I'm glad you brought that up because we get that all the time. Like, well, why would I do this? Uh, there's, a, there's a prevalent commercial out in the market right now and it shows somebody working in a manufacturing setting and it's a cartoon generated commercial and it shows this person and they look around and there's robots doing their job and they think, oh, I need to go back to college. And that kills me. I, I absolutely despise that because the reality is far, it's so far from that truth that in fact, robots coming into our industry are driving more people needing needed to be in our industry. The basic frame that I've learned, because we actually mm-hmm. did a recent interview with Jurgen Pedersen of RE Squared Robotics, mm-hmm. and they're doing mm-hmm. these machines that help keep people safe. And the kind of heuristic that I've come down to is where the robots or where the automation, however you want to use it, is being applied is these areas of safety. So taking a human out of harm's way mm-hmm or in areas of extreme precision being required. So part of the reason you do like a 3D printing is because every detail has to have that robotic precision in order to meet the final need. But there's all the space in between. Like if you think about that as how much of your life really requires extreme precision or safety from real danger, that's mm-hmm. far from all-encompassing. Right, and, I, and and you bring up a good good fact. There are currently robots in local manufacturing companies. And the really cool thing that you brought up was this, the thing about safety. Uh, we're, we're experiencing more and more the robots of the past were, I'll call them dumb. 
they did exactly what you told them and they, they there was no sensory uh input into that robot if you told that robot to move in a certain way it would move in a certain way and it didn't matter if there was something in the way an, another human being or another physical object well now we're starting to see them building in sensors that will feed, do that feedback. So when you think about the safety feature of a garage door, you know, an automatic garage door in your home, it, you want it to, to drop down. But, you know, oh, if there's somebody in a way, it should be able to sense that, stop that motion, and retract. It's a safety feature. So we're starting to see that a little bit more in manufacturing. Uh, it's a good point, like you said. There's environments where you just don't want people in. Uh, so robots and robotics has its place, but uh, I I can't get over the number of people who don't realize how much support still needs to be there by individuals with skills. And I'm not talking PhD levels. I'm talking technicians. Um, you mentioned RE2. We're, we, New Century, is involved in a, in a, a new program here in uh, connection with the ARM Institute looking at creating an apprenticeship program and an apprenticeship model for uh, what we're terming a roboticist or a robotics technician. That's really exciting because a lot of the robotics companies will need somebody that has an understanding of small bits and pieces of the whole robot and maybe can machine components, maybe do a light electrical, maybe do a little light programming. But in the end, they'll have an individual that can do a lot of different things. And that's going to improve the values of the companies. Because ultimately, what you find with somebody that has an apprenticeship, it's not just about doing the task. It's about understanding and, and analyzing and finding problems and then coming up with solutions. That's the exciting thing about apprenticeship. We'll talk a lot about doing things and the tasks that are associated with, with programs that train people, but ultimately that's what we're training. We're training solutions providers and many entrepreneurs that we're going to place into our, our region's manufacturing uh, companies, and that includes robotics companies and metals companies. That makes sense. Um, maybe this broader change, you talked about the region's manufacturing and robotics companies, but that's another frankly, as an ignorant outsider, the narrative is, well, all the manufacturing jobs are going out of the country or mm -hmm. being outsourced or what have you. And, you know, in doing some of the research for this interview, it said, well, manufacturing is actually an area where there's a lot of projections for growth in terms mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. um, needing people to be able to fill these roles. So can you speak to maybe on a, on a regional level or, or a mm -hmm. more macro level, what's going on in the world of manufacturing that is leading to there being so many job opportunities? Well, the, the first, which is, is, is if you were to go into any local firm that does manufacturing in the region, unfortunately, most of the individuals you would meet would be older. So the manufacturing in, in this region is being done by a, an aging population. Some call it the silver tsunami. So there is a wave here in the next 10 years where there's going to be so many individuals that are going to be retiring that it just opens up all these opportunities for young people to come in now, start to learn this trade, and then advance very quickly through companies. Um, so that's, that's one factor is this, the silver tsunami. Number two is the integration of these new, newer technologies. You, we've talked briefly about robotics and automation, but another one is additive. Additive technology is where you're building parts from, from the, um, the ground up, if you may. Um, most of the technologies we use to bring value to metals right now is really subtractive. 
So if you think about when you're cutting a piece of wood and you're making sawdust, that's subtracting wood away from a piece of wood, right? So that's subtractive. For us in metalworking, most of us are taking a block or a round piece of material, removing stock, making scraps, making, making chips, removing, and then ending up with a final product. That's still subtractive. Additive is, is a whole different way to look at it because now you're getting to a point where you're taking powders and you're doing chemistry to it and you're making it into a solid and you're building that part up from the ground up. From the, from almost from the molecular level up. If you really think about that, that allows you to make some very complex parts that even using current technology, you wouldn't be able to do any other way than through additive. So by uh, introducing cavities and holes inside of materials, modern technology couldn't be able to do that. Additive can do that. So that's a, that's a game changer. That, the reason I bring that up is you, you to talk about the projections. Those types of things we're seeing coming out of laboratories and going into manufacturing companies. Well, a manufacturing company is not going to buy a 3D printer if they don't have the people to operate it, uh, program it, design to it, keep it working so it's maintenance technicians. So there's a whole host of people. Again, new technology. It sounds like it's going to displace people, but I just named off about four different positions, and that would be multiple people in, in one company needed to do that and keep that one machine running. So, so uh, I want to try to create a frame for myself and the listeners mm-hmm. so we can understand this. You talked about this new additive uh, layer, and a lot of people are familiar. What's a lot of what's going on is this subtractive layer, mm-hmm. but there had to have been an additive layer before that subtractive layer, so that you can have that first thing to carve away from. You said to create the stock. Can right. you talk about like maybe? either tangible examples of each or where those are located. Just It's just something we're so detached from now. Sure. Well, so for instance, I mean, everybody, I hate to say it, but you, you watch modern, you, you watch any modern sporting event, and as soon as they come to Pittsburgh, they show the steel mill, Yeah. right? You know, you talk about a hub of technology, and what, what, what does every sports broadcast show? A ladle with molten steel. And, and while that's still very valuable and we need to have those types of jobs, that, those, are the, those are the jobs that are creating those blocks of material. So those, even though we don't see it, though, there's many steel companies in this region, in, in, in western Ohio, in, or excuse me, eastern Ohio, western PA, that are bringing value by making high-quality raw materials, bars, rods of material. Then what happens is what we say is when they come to precision manufacturers, we're adding value to that. So you might buy a, a, a rod of material for, I'm just going to say $300, but then by the time you take that bar of material and you cut it and you, you form it and you shape it, you may, you may add another three $400 of value to that. And that's where the value chain continues to grow from from what you said, like you said, it starts out as additive, that's raw materials, that's making a block of material, then subtracting from it and bringing value to it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that absolutely okay. makes sense. And the other part that I'm is kind of connecting the dots for me as I'm listening to this is if Pittsburgh ends up being this hub of robotics, we have Robotics Row down mm-hmm. on uh, near the strip district, and one of the challenges if all of this stuff is being made elsewhere the core pieces like instead of it mm-hmm. being in mm-hmm. um 
Eastern Ohio, it was on another continent. You have these tremendous travel costs of moving this really heavy stuff all the way over here. So part of the reason that these other manufacturing pieces can, it makes sense from an economic standpoint to exist nearby is because the people who are using this slightly modified raw material and taking it into some really precise Mm -hmm. device don't want to pay some exorbitant transportation costs. That's right. And then if you look at another industry that is is getting a lot of play is the oil and gas, the the um, the idea of the cracker plant in Beaver County. So you're going to have all these raw materials that are the basic building blocks for all of the high-performing plastics material manufacturers. So what I envision in the future is there's going to be extraction continuing. It's going to go to process. It'll be processed through this thing called the crackers, cracking it. They're going to pull all these polymers off, develop all these high-technology polymers here in Western PA. The next logical step is then to have shops in the region who work to bring value to those blocks of materials. So then you get different things like wear components made out of plastic, that are going to be produced here in Western PA. So you've got you've got going back to your initial question. You've got a, a growing population of of industry uh, employees that are retiring. You've got growth and expansion of of new raw materials. That's going to cause the need for for machinists and and individuals in in this industry. So uh, even the studies, the the last study I read, I think it was a projection out. To 2025, by 2025, we were going to be about 80,000 people short in various jobs, including uh, entry-level machine shop needs, the whole way up to engineering disciplines within manufacturing. So right now is a great time if someone has an interest to learn how to do this this job or this career. If you have the right skills. You're basically writing your own ticket for a lifelong of lifetime of, of career opportunity, career advancement, continuing education opportunities. If you didn't do a college degree, but then someday you wake up as a, a middle-aged person, you say, hey, I'd like to get that degree now. Companies are paying individuals to do that. So we're getting away from the front-loaded debt of a young person that says they go to college and they incur all this debt. And then they're then they say, well, you know, now what? You know, what am I going to do now? You know, now I'm going to try to get a job, and they don't land in a career that that pays very well. You know, you look at it as a return on investment, and now we're talking about a return on investment on a human. Yeah. You know? So we want to we want to see that. That's why it's kind of fun to be in in this position here at New Century because we're introducing all these principles through this little sneaky thing called skills training and job placement. See, that's the thing. That right there Mm -hmm. is why I started this show. It is what grinds my gears more than anything else because an option like this, Mm -hmm. and and I don't want to place blame on you for like not getting the word out there. Like it's just not the storyline that's shared. It the storyline that's shared is go to college, and Mm -hmm. you know I I got very lucky to just recently pay off my college debt. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of Mm -hmm. friends that are going to be continuing to pay for decades. Well, it. True story, even though I, I know I'm significantly older than you, had it not been for, for an apprenticeship that I had in the overtime, I probably would have been in the same situation. But because my wife and I both had smaller debt, you know, it's all relative to where you went to school and what area you went to school, but it was overtime. It was overtime at my job that allowed us to, 
you know, we both worked, but I had a lot of overtime. We used a lot of that money to 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 uh, knock down the debt, and I and I'm I'm pretty proud to say I think we paid our school loans off in about seven years, which I know it's a different different values, different era, but still, you know that that type of opportunity still exists today because manufacturers are going crazy, offering lots and lots of hours, really good pay. So even if someone say did school for a year, year and a half, two years, then they wake up someday and they say, you know what, I, I like I like to be challenged, but maybe I'd like to do something more with my hands plus my mind. This is a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. And not only that, they're not going into debt to do it either, that's, right? That's correct. And if they have incurred debt, they've got a better opportunity to dig themselves out a lot a lot quicker. So the math of that, I think Paul said that it was $6,800 worth of training. Was that, or did I hear that wrong? Yeah, we, we do cost analysis just so we have a good understanding of what it would be if we charged a tuition. You know, our program is tuition free, but, but really if you were to pay for this program, it it would run about sixty eight hundred dollars. We have invested in each one of our M two K students here. Yeah. So where does the funding come from to support this program? <laughs> Anywhere we can find it. Um, uh, we 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 do a small uh, placement fee. So for instance, if an individual completes our program and they get hired by a, a partner company, we have a very very modest fee that after thirty days, if the individual works out, that a company will then you know, give us a, give us a small, small fee for that placement. Otherwise it's, it's, uh, just writing grants, working with local foundations, trying to get local companies then to also, you know, sponsor and donate money. Um, we've done everything from, uh, with this type of work, we use a lot of things called consumables. So things that are used in the process, they get worn out, they break, they, you know, they get old and tattered drills, just like your home appliances. Like if you, if you were in construction and you're using a hand drill, those drills wear out. So we, we take donations from, from those folks for, for consumables. Uh, we have relationships with some of the local raw material providers. So when the students are doing projects and they're doing things out of tool steel, well, we'll, we'll call them and say, hey, listen, do you have any spare rods? Some of the local manufacturers have scrap, so they may buy so many, many feet of material for a project and they only use, you know, two-thirds of it, and then the rest sits, and they say, well, someday we'll use it. Well, then someday we call and say, hey, can we, can we use this? Can we, do you have any materials? Our, you know, our program, we'd like some stainless steel. Can you give us some stainless steel so our students can learn how to work with it? It benefits them in two ways. It, it, it makes them feel good, right? They're helping our program out. But number two, it's it's giving our students a, uh, real, real examples of work using that material. And ultimately, if they're going to go back into industry, why not have them working in the materials you need them to understand? Absolutely. So. Makes sense. What are some of the... Are there like certain plants or manufacturers that you've placed a disproportionate number of the people who've come through the program? Uh, not, not really. I mean, it's just so spread out all over, all over southwestern PA. We we've done training in years past out as far as Latrobe, so we've placed individuals with with various manufacturing companies out east. Basically, a lot of our students, one of the biggest barriers uh, our students have is transportation. So we have a lot of good relationships with companies that are on the bus lines. Um, so 
that's one of the things we try to look at. We, we try to look at where the individual, what neighborhood they're coming from. We try to look at um, how is transportation going to be a burden or not. And then we try to focus and get them into their local neighborhood. The ultimate goal is to get the individual to be sustainable themselves. A great example was an individual that left us a few months ago, ended up on a night shift up at a company called Aerotech, the whole way up at RIDC Park North, up up Route 28. And he came back to us, and uh, it was a really rewarding day because he didn't just come back and thank us for the training we provided and, and the job placement and all that, but he came back and said, hey, I, I know this may sound weird, but who can I talk to about wealth management? I'm making more money than I've ever made, and I don't want to get in a position where I'm going to just spend everything I'm earning. Can you give me a clue? So we we have some partners that we said, hey, you know, you you know, part, partners in the area that you maybe should talk. Obviously, go to your local bank, talk to somebody in banking, you know, things like that. But that was really rewarding because he said, never in my life did I think I'd be in a position where I was like, oh, I don't know what to do with all this extra cash. That that's a pretty good feeling when you when you know that just a few months ago he might not have been in that position that's awesome that's a hell of a note to to wrap up on neil okay Uh, i'm 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 so fired up i I can't wait to share this episode with people i know that by now people are hearing that and have already listened but um Mm -hmm. before we ask our last two questions is there anything else you're hoping to share today that i didn't give you the chance to i i just wanted to make sure that the folks understood what what where we're located, what we do. I mean, we talked a lot about this. We, we talked a lot about the economy and technologies, but again, you know, New Century Careers was founded by manufacturers to really give people the opportunity to learn the skills that, that can make them successful and also match them up with the jobs that are, are, are ongoing. The reason I say ongoing is we have a booklet here that, that is open to our students. There's over 60 job openings right now. So the the big thing that I want people to understand is it's not just about training. It's it's about job and career placement for life. So if an individual goes out tomorrow and for whatever reason the, the company is bought out and there's a repositioning and they lose their job, those individuals are more than welcome to come back and our staff will help them build a new resume uh, if they feel like they want to do some more mock interviews to get back into the mode of interviewing we'll do that for them but then it's back out back out the door another exciting thing that we didn't touch on was our social venture I I would feel really bad not to mention that and and what that is 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 a, an ongoing program that will extend our traditional training program for another few weeks and partner with local companies to make real-world components. The benefit would be to allow students to be able to put on a resume that they made X components for XYZ company. That helps them learn maybe additional skills, but we talked about how do you generate money or how do you get your funding to make this program work. Well, we thought that it would be a really kind of cool idea to partner with the people that have made us successful by hiring our people, but also allow them to give us low margin work that normally would be a burden for them to take on but be great for us for our students to learn and then have us make revenue by charging them you know a small fee for the components so a social venture is very exciting it's very new there'll be more information coming out in the next few weeks 
Uh, we're just getting some of the pilot phase funding involved, but that's really I want to want to make sure that we we we're doing all these things. We're also reaching out to the youth through through a, a program called Bots IQ. We just had our finale at Cal U, where we had I think almost a thousand students participate in a fun competition, uh, Battle Bots. You know, destruction, uh, lots of sparks and flying metal. And we sneakily taught manufacturing skills to the students. They didn't even know it. It was great. It's a great way to sneak in manufacturing to kids. They don't even know what they're learning. But um, I, I met so many great young people. So um, th- it's exciting. There, there's a new generation that is starting to get it. So I love um, that. We're getting to it. One student, one parent, one educator, one business leader at a time. We're going to make a difference. So. Well, hopefully we get a few more through this uh, yeah. episode here. Have you heard of the last lecture by Randy Pausch? Uh yeah, one of my best, one of my best books. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it reminded that. me when you said that, like, it's kind of he at the end he says it's the head fake. This isn't for you. Mm-hmm. This is for my kids, and you mm-hmm. just like tear up. But yes, that same type of like head fake idea where we're gonna have some fun, but oh, you're yeah. learning something in the background. Oh, yeah. There's a there's a second layer to it. So that's th- right. This is awesome. Um, I, I want to make sure that everyone follows along for these announcements and just in general to see what you guys are doing. Uh, what digital coordinates can we direct people to who would like to learn more? Yeah, sure. So we have uh, we have Facebook and Twitter accounts, New Century Careers. Uh, we have our website, New Century or excuse me, New Century Careers website is actually ncsquared.com so that's a great way to uh, follow along and look at our professional website look at our facebook page twitter account things like that so excellent well we're going to link all of that in the show notes for this episode so you can find that going deep slash podcast for this and every episode of the show uh, but as we do neil at the end of each interview i want to give you the mic one final time to issue an actionable personal challenge for the audience oh never stop learning read um i i think you learn well maybe maybe um maybe i should back up for a second so when when you're when you're influenced by a family member who was a depression era person who never got to do more than a sixth grade education and yet you realize in your in your uh, later adult life how wise this individual was because they never stopped reading. Um, you'd think a person with a sixth grade education couldn't be successful, and it's quite frankly, it's hard work, determination, and being open to learn new things. That's something I always impart to the students here that I want everyone to read. It doesn't have to be about about your industry or you're specifically about your your own you know your industry your your own likes challenge yourself to read about things that you might not think you'd be interested in i guarantee you're going to learn something new about something every day every time so read be a voracious reader Absolutely. I uh, do a, a monthly book recommendation and I've had uh, someone reach out to me and say, you know, like I'm trying to start reading. Like, What, what book should I start with if I'm trying oh, to learn that? Geez. Do you have any, any suggestions well, or, or just, I, just book recommendations in general? In, in general, there, there was one that I, I can't remember who the author is. The, the book is called Blink. Malcolm uh, Gladwell. There you go. Blink was a, is a good one. I think that should be on your shelf as a, as a book you've read in your life. I've always appreciated uh, autobiographies. The the one that always has stood out to me was the autobiography of Lee Iacocca about how um, you you can basically 
come from nothing and sacrifice and uh, everything and still come out on top. So the autobiography of Lee Iacocca is a, is a great one. And um, I'm also a big fan of the autobiography of Norman Schwartz, uh, Schwarzkopf too. But I've added some to my list at the very least. There but, you um, go. You know what another really good one is? And I wasn't expecting it to like it as much as I did was Andre Agassi's mm. because it's it's just this fascinating I mean tennis in and of mm-hmm. itself is this crazy mental mm-hmm. game, but the internal monologue that he was experiencing through these highs and lows of his career, I, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. So Oh, you know what, backing up one other person, if you're gonna read about somebody, read about Walt Disney. What a fascinating character. A guy who created all these characters in life. But uh, some of the things that he, he, his vision, and yet how you can apply that to a business model, it's, it's fascinating. So anything about Walt Disney you should read about because he, he was a pretty cool cat for his time. So. Absolutely. <laughs> well, this has been tremendously valuable, Neil. I thank you so much for sharing your time with us today and your wisdom. Well, I'm just honored to be with you, and thank you for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. And thank you, everyone out there, for listening. Hope you have a fantastic day. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Please hit that subscribe button if you've not already done so and get excited for some of our forthcoming episodes, including one with self-driving car CEO Brian Seleski and handmade bag entrepreneur Wendy Downs of Moop. That and much, much more on future episodes of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Connect with Aaron on Twitter and Instagram at AaronWatson59.